You know, the chocolate chip cookie was invented by accident when the inventor put two things that he thought would go together didn't go together, but worked so well together. That's right. Think about it. Homers and hammers and homers and hammers and homers and hammers and homers and hammers. Well, we weren't able to get into an episode last week, and that's when we were going to preview the National League East. So in the interest of time, I think we're just going to skip over the Phillies and Braves. Anyone opposed? All right, moving on. Three teams that might have a chance. We'll start with the Marlins. That uh, They didn't do too much, but they did pick up Wei Yin Chen, one of the uh, 42 or so available starting pitchers. And got Barry Bonds as a hitting coach. And there's a lot of hope on the internet that at some point Barry Bonds gets into a game. And it wouldn't surprise me if Jeffrey Loria hired Barry Bonds thinking he was going to get into a game. In fact, I think he'll be shocked that he's actually going to be the hitting coach. But then we move on to the Nationals, which is just that team that for muscle memory you say, yeah, of course they're going to win the division and the National League. And they'll probably win the World Series, too. And you look at them again, and it's still pretty much the same team, kind of uh, the reputation of the Cardinals without all the wins to prove it. And Max Scherzer still there and rest of the rotation. Hard hard to say they won't be good, but that's because now the Mets are the favorite. And after everything they accomplished last year, and then having an offseason that did not torpedo themselves, getting Yuanis Cespedes back, retooling the middle infield. The starting rotation seems to be solid. It's nice and young, and Bartolo Colon also exists. There's, uh, it's, it's a two-team race, Mets, Mets and Nationals. And knowing who the Mets are, I guess we'll just go right back into old habits and say the Nationals. So now we can start talking about this week's episode, which was going to be the American League West and we will start with the Oakland A's because, well, let's start with the Oakland A's. And after years of saying Billy Bean knows what he's doing, we now have a team that does not look like Billy Bean knows what he's doing. But for one thing's for sure, it definitely has Yonder Alonso in the lineup. As for the rest of it, uh, it definitely has Rich Hill in the starting rotation. It's about all I got. Then we go to the Angels, which, you know, the thing about the American League is there's not a lot of terrible teams, but the Angels are not a good team. They have Mike Trout, and the rest of the team is, well, you're tugging your collar, and you say, well, the thing about that is, uh, you know, I didn't uh, realize that, uh, you know, time keeps moving on, and I thought the players we'd have would stay the same age, but... You know, we have Mike Trout, so let's see highlights of that. So I've, I've read a little bit about possibilities and, and mostly theory. I would say possibilities or rumors, but theories of, of why you would trade Mike Trout to another team. And my hope is that those theories become rumors and murmurs and just freak out. Uh, that would, to, to, uh, for this team, that, that's really what they need. You've got the Texas Rangers, which, according to Wikipedia, made the playoffs last year, but it's Wikipedia, so I'm not completely convinced on it. Although, 
you know, they had a terrible year because of injuries and they all got healthy again. Jerks and Profar is going to be back. You Darvish will be back. Prince Fielder is healthy again. Shinsu Chu is healthy. And there's a, there's a lot to like about the team. But again, it's still the Rangers. And you, you either think of them as a team that's not good. You think of them as the team that has a great offense but nothing else. And, and I still don't know who their closer is. I'm looking at the name right now and it's probably a misprint. So the Rangers will be there. They're in the 500 or so range. They're still in there. We've got the Mariners who have felt like they've kind of been on an upswing for so long. It's like when you're going on a swing and you are waiting to hit that peak, but really what happened is that the chain snapped and you're just flying straight into the sun. That's the Seattle Mariners. The class of the division is obviously the Astros. Given how fantastic a season they had, all those young people, solid rotation, really good rotation. I think Doug Fister uh, as the fifth starter is going to be kind of a nice little pillow contract year. They traded for a closer. I think they really addressed the issues they had before, but you know, Sports Illustrated said they're going to win it next year, and you know, who are we to doubt the cover of a sports magazine? So, even though they might win the division, it's still not their year. Now, it's nice to ignore all of the spring training stats and storylines and just let them figure it out, because in terms of the curling season of champions, it is just it's one thing after another. So let's talk about the briar that happened last week and the, the death briar as I and about six other people on the internet decided to call it pretty much lived up to the name. Brad Jacobs somehow went undefeated in round Robin play, then somehow lost the one, two game, lost the semifinal and finished in third place. So even he is not, uh, impervious to death. You had Mike McEwen finishing fourth, which in this field, yeah, Mike McEwen finishes fourth, and no one's that shocked. Which left it up to Kevin Cooey winning his third Briar in five appearances at the Briar, which is just astounding. And he's, you know, he he played great. He he survived the the week as we thought he would, made it out of the three four game, and just he took control from from end one away from Brad Gushu in Newfoundland, Labrador, which I just, I, I hurt so much for Gushu. He's 13 Briars, no championships, and the, the comparison I've always made is to, is to Mark Martin in NASCAR, a great driver for so long, never won a championship. Now, in fairness, Gushu did win a gold medal, he, and only very few Canadian curlers uh, can attest to that, but the Briar is, it's it's something different, you know, it's 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 a point of pride, you know, winning winning in your home country, winning your championship that way. And you, you, this, the narrative just worked so well. He'd win this year, and then he'd go to St. John's next year as Team Canada. Well, if you need another narrative, you would have Brad winning in St. John's next year, and hopefully that's what goes on. But Again, there's just so many good teams. Everyone's going to be probably right back there gunning for that championship. And, you know, who knows? Um, but 
that was a great briar and you know a couple little odd things going on you had some some weird ice conditions that um the directional sweeping seemed to trip up a few teams here and there but we move on to worlds which is in a, a few weeks we have women's worlds which starts in canada this saturday and you know it's pretty much going to be between Canada and Scotland and Russia and Switzerland. That's that's pretty much the top four with, you know, the United States somewhere there in the mix. Uh, Japan will be somewhere in there. Sweden will probably play well. And, and then I'm going to be curious to see how teams like Germany, South Korea, uh, Finland, and Italy fare. But that's probably... You know, you got your top four, your middle four, and your bottom four. Um, did I mention Denmark? Let's mention Denmark. Okay, Denmark. Also somewhere in there. They could be anywhere. Um, so, again, that starts Saturday. That will be streamed on TSN most likely, although given that TSN has the um, all the games, they're going to show the Canadian games. If, if luck serves us well, then uh, World Curling TV and YouTube will show some games as well that are not Canada. Probably the European games, but United States will probably be in there as well. Um, and then all of that will be simulcast on ESPN3, leaving us with the last big uh, event of the week, and that's the Elite 10, which is sort of a uh, match play type event with a five rock rule with the 10 best teams uh, in in the world, and nine of those teams being um, Cana- uh, Canadian and uh, European men's teams, with the 10th team being Rachel Homan, the prohibitive number one ranked women's team. And man, am I excited to see that. Now, now these games are going to be on Sportsnet, and unless you have some Canadian satellite or Canadian citizenship, it's going to be extremely difficult to watch the games, but I think the rest of us will just, we're going to want to see who the scores are. And if, if you know, I had my, you know, predictions about it, I, I think Rachel Holman could win a couple of these. You know, you look against who they uh, drew. They've got games against John Epping, uh, Charlie Thomas, Reed Carruthers, and Brad Gushu. And I don't think they're going to beat Brad. But the other three are are very good teams, but they're not teams that, I think cause a mismatch for the style of play that Rachel Holman's team plays, which is exceptional draws, and they're also very good at hitting. Um, I think that a super good hitting team, one like uh, Steve Laycock, might pose uh, a disadvantage, but or like a Kevin Cooey or you know Brad Jacobs. But the the teams that they're playing, I, I think they're going to be able to match up well. And it doesn't matter if they give up a four uh, spot in one end. They can come right back. It's match play. That equalizes things. They can take more challenges and risks, and I think they're extremely up to the challenge. I am pulling for them. 